Thank you, Chris. Uh, as Chris said, we're going to dive deep and uh, provide a little more data for you all this morning. So uh, look forward to the next few minutes. Uh, at McKinsey, we've done research in terms of, you know, what are the skill shifts happening in the economy? And what we mean by that is as we look forward now through 2030, you know, what are the differences in terms of where people are going to be working and therefore what skills they need? So as we look at the labor market in transition, here are a few facts uh, that I think really build on what Chris shared. Uh, first, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you know, we've got nationwide more than two times the number of job openings as we do people looking for work. And as we look at what happened over the course of the pandemic, there were nine million people who shifted occupations over the course of the pandemic. Nine million people. So these are people that were working uh, at one point, perhaps in retail, and then ended up working in an Amazon warehouse. It was those types of transitions that we're seeing across jobs happening in the economy. And we expect between 2030 for there to be another 12 million workers who will be changing occupations as a result of the changing economy. You know, so as we look at what those transitions will entail, it will end up overall being a transition to higher wage jobs. Um, but as we look at that, there is going to be a need for the workforce development system to help these workers transition from where they are today to these higher paying jobs in the future. You know, so here are a few uh, selected facts. You know, two million uh, or two times the number of openings as there are uh, people looking for work. Uh, there are 9 million occupations that had shifts. Uh, you know, 25% of the tasks done in the U.S. economy could be replaced by automation by 2030. What we mean by that is we took all the occupations in the economy and then broke them down into tasks. There's 2,000, you know, some odd tasks in the economy. Then we looked and said, okay, what, where is technology coming? So if you look at the task level, not the job level, which is the aggregate, but the task level of what people are doing day to day, hour to hour, 25% of those could be automated uh, by 2030, which means occupations are changing themselves in addition to people changing across occupations. Uh, we talked about the other 12 million occupational shifts that are uh, gonna be happening. 75% uh, of those transitions will appear in workers in customer support and office support roles. And it is more than eight times more likely that workers in lower wage jobs will need to transition than those in higher wage jobs. <laughs> All right, I'm trying to advance, there we go. Yeah, so this, this takes us back to the macro view of what's happening across the US labor market. Chris talked a little about this is in Georgia. This is pulling us back. Total non-farm payroll employment has finally come back to just above what the uh, pre-pandemic total payroll numbers are. Now that is still less than what we would have expected had we continued on the same growth trajectory we had pre-COVID, but now we are just above what the total non-farm um employment had been prior to COVID. But the openings, we've got 3.5 million more openings across the US economy than we did before COVID started. So the overall, you know, labor force, non-farm employment, about the same, and then we have 3.5 million more openings. So this is adding to that labor tightness that we're all experiencing. As we look at what the shifts in the labor market are happening, some of these were happening pre-COVID. 
you know, we had automation that was coming that was reimagining how uh, certain occupations and certain work was being done, but we've seen an acceleration of some of those pre-COVID trends, and it's changed on the labor demand side, what employers are looking for. We're seeing increased e-commerce adoption. We talked about, you know, working in a fulfillment warehouse, those jobs spiked as e-commerce spiked. You know, we're seeing an accelerated uh, adoption of automation, which is changing the content of what people are working on. We're seeing increased infrastructure investment, you know, with those skilled trades that come along with infrastructure. Uh, increased net zero investment. So these would be things in Georgia like the EVs and all of the EV supply chain. And then the aging population is driving a demand for healthcare. We're also seeing a change in labor supply. There is an elevated quit rate. Quits are higher now and have sustained at a higher level than you know, any time uh, in the recent uh, history. And when we look at these quit rates, you know, when people are leaving, some are leaving the workforce, but others are leaving to other occupations, you know, to other places where uh, they feel like they have more opportunity uh, than, in their current, than their current job. We're also seeing early re retirements, an increase in hybrid work and people willing to move to uh, employers to get the work arrangement that they want. We're also seeing the aging population uh, decreasing the workforce as well as stalled immigration. So that's what we're seeing on the labor supply and demand side. I just wanna click here on the quit rates. So this is across the US economy, non-farm role, non-farm uh, quit rates, seasonally adjusted, and you see the dip in quits right at the beginning of COVID, when everybody was uncertain what was going on, things were happening, you know, quits went down. But then you see now in the uh, past couple of years, you know, quits have been at an elevated rate. And we've surveyed uh, multiple times people that are leaving their jobs, and we're asking, well, why are you leaving? And a lot of the factors of why somebody is leaving their job are some of the soft factors some of the things that are related to, to leadership, some of the things that, you know, related to how we feel about our work. You know, they don't feel valued by their organization. They don't feel valued by their manager. You know, they don't have a sense of belonging at work. You know, early on in the pandemic, researchers looking at mental health uh, surveyed employees and asked, how many, you know, have you had a manager or anybody at work check in on you to see how you're doing? And 40% of respondents said no. So if we think about there's a, a realm of quiet quitting, you know, people that are quitting on the job, there's also a world where managers aren't really checking in on their employees either. So we're seeing this, you know, play out in the economy where, you know, we do have this elevated rate of, um, of quits. So what's coming next? What's accelerated as a result of COVID? You know, we've surveyed a broad range of employers and we're seeing, you know, automation and adoption of AI accelerating coming out, as well as you know, digitization more broadly, digitization of employee interactions, digitization of customer channels, and even digitization of the supply chain. Now, one of the flip sides of digitization is that when you take away some of the routine interactions you have, what are left? It's the more human interactions. So this ties to you know, what some of Chris shared earlier about you know, it's about teamwork, it's about creativity, it's about collaboration. Those are the truly human things. So as you automate, as you digitize some of the things that are more routine, you know, what's left is what's more truly human. Uh, and we are seeing this acceleration of the digital side also accelerating, you know, the need for those more human skills. And then if we zoom back and we think about, you know, we talked about there being 12 million workforce transitions uh, that are happening, we segmented where those transitions would happen across three different groups. 
One is the group of professions that we consider to be resilient and growing, things like healthcare. We've had a continued demand for healthcare work, and we, we see that uh, demand continuing to grow, STEM professionals. We've had a strong demand. We see that you know, continuing to grow. Um, in those occupations, we see this growth in employment, and we see relatively few career transitions being made. In the second category, what we call stalled but rising, you know, these are in areas like builders, where we're getting new infrastructure investment coming in, where we may have had a dip, but we see that being resilient. Again, you know, two million workforce transitions need to happen there. Where we see the nine million workforce transitions happening are in areas like customer service and sales, areas like food services, areas like office support. These are areas where we're seeing the change in the way services are delivered, the change in what the workforce is doing. We see these and change in where automation uh, is able to play. You know, we're seeing these occupations, they've been hit and they're gonna continue to decline. And I think it's in this area as we think about the transitions, it's how do we get folks that are in these jobs that are you know, excited to continue to be in the workforce, how do we get them transitioning to other occupations where we know there are shortages, you know, those that are on the further left of this. So we're gonna hand it over to Elizabeth now to, to and, and this just provides the, you know, if you look at the occupational categories and where it grows, you know, this, this just highlights where they are. I know it's small writing, but at the top are the things we have on the left-hand side of the page, health professionals, health aides, STEM, and on the bottom, things like, you know, decline in food services, customer service and sales and office support. Thanks, Brian. Um, so the, the thing to focus on here, you know, over the course of today, thinking about talent on some level is what are we going to do about it? And so when we are looking at this data, something that we're asking is, you know, who's impacted? How can we hone in on some of the populations that will need more support, um, some of the occupations that will see more growth? As Brian shared, um, there will be 12 million workers across the U.S. Um, who will I've got to go back on the clicker now. Okay. Okay. So we'll see 12 million workers across the U.S. who will need to <coughs> change to change occupations by 2030. And this will create an opportunity for some workers to move into higher wage roles. Um, so when you see who is impacted by the need to change, something that we're seeing today is that um, if you are a lower wage worker today, then you are um, about 8x more likely to be impacted by the need to shift your occupation. That creates an opportunity for people who are impacted, may need to reskill, may have a job um, that they lose to shift into a higher paying role over time um, and ultimately buoy our economy, create a better life for their families uh, when they can access an opportunity that may actually be better than the one that they have today. With the automation Brian's talking about, it's not that the robot is coming for your job, it's that some of the tasks in your role today may be replaceable by automation. So you may need fewer workers to do the work that more workers do today, and there may be more of a reliance on those workplace skills, soft skills, people-facing skills that could lead to um, ultimately higher paying, higher uh, positivity in customer 
facing roles when folks have more time um, to be deploying those softer skills. So something we wanted to take a look at too in this um, research is the regional view. We're talking it with big numbers across the whole US. When we did this research before COVID, what we saw is that um, America is a tapestry of communities, each of which has different sets of opportunities accessible. Uh, you don't have the same level of thriving in every single small town. Um, rural and urban is not sufficient to describe opportunities that we see across America or across Georgia. Um, so in the U.S. today, looking at it post-COVID, we do still see opportunities and job creation clustered around large urban areas. So 60% of the post-COVID job creation we see through 2030 is coming from about 25 urban areas across the U.S. Um, so the blue are concentrations of job creation, of, of growth, and uh, the gray is where things may be stagnant or declining. When we look at Georgia specifically, um, we see here too, like more of a, uh, a mixed story. The good news is that more than half of counties in Georgia um, are slated to experience an increase in workforce demand, more job openings uh, between now and 2030. However, that is certainly concentrated um, in larger urban areas and then in, um, in rural areas, rural parts of the state that have had more wins from an economic development standpoint. With what the chamber is doing here, with the network of um, USG and TCSG institutions across the state, the good news is it's exciting to think about what one big win can do for a single community and what counties coming together to think more um, you know, regionally, even, even across different parts of the state, about uh, where things will go for the future. So this is what we see as, as the, um, you know, w what we would project today through 2030, but lots of opportunity here to continue to collaborate um, and improve things for all Georgians. So back to the, the point of what are we gonna do about it? Um, here's the robot that hopefully is not taking your job, uh, but taking the part of your job that you find the most mundane and the, the, the least um, exciting, the least connected to other people. Uh, what we see employers asking today around um, the future of work are a few different things. Um, first, you know, what is it that my workforce will need for the future in terms of skills and capabilities? How can we reconfigure the workplace and the workforce to be better suited for what's needed in the future? Um, this means raising productivity by taking out some of the mundane, by going to the higher value parts of your job. Um, positioning to leverage technology and take advantage of long-term trends. Um, some of this is capitalizing on the what has changed that we thought may never be possible during COVID. Um, you know, if in February of 2020, you were thinking that the overwhelming majority of your job could be done outside of your place of work, collaborating with people over video conference calls um, and not seeing people in person for months, 
you know, you would have said that's impossible, and all of those different te technologies which were there, we then started to harness. So what employers are doing now um, to get ahead of some of these trends is saying, how can I take advantage of the momentum and the good and keep that, um, but also go back to some of the pieces of social fabric that we know that we need in our workplace. Um, on closing the skills gap, here, here's where I think the, um, that our education system is critically important. Chris shared some great stats on the gap to close um, and what it's going to take from a sheer numbers standpoint. That's not going to happen by itself. That's going to happen with uh, communities coming together to come up with a plan for how to steer workers who need, have an opportunity to reskill into positions where they're most needed. Um, you know, incentives that uh, attract people to education, attract people to employment, um, and get folks who have chosen to leave or continue to stay out of the workplace uh, workforce back into it. Um, and then the last couple of things here, <coughs> sure, uh, around communication. You know, do, is it clear to a worker uh, where to go? Is it clear to a worker how to access lifelong support, lifelong learning? Um, we may have good systems and structures in place, but do you know where to go? Do you know um, what the ROI of that degree will be? So we, I think in Georgia, across the research that we've done, um, have some wonderful assets to put to work here. We have an economy that is in an enviable spot, if, if you think about any other state that you could be in, lots of states um, would want to have the momentum that we have today, uh, the backbone of state infrastructure for reskilling, for education, and it's more just about collaborating for the future. So um, we appreciate the opportunity to share some of our research. This, um, what Brian and I have drawn on today uh, is, is new and some new numbers that we'll be putting out in the next couple of weeks. But for those who haven't had an opportunity to take a look at some of the more Georgia-focused research that we've done in the past couple of years, we have two reports, um, one from 2019 and one that we released in December of 2022 about Georgia's economy. Um, and the, the second one um, in particular, which um, focuses on our economic outlook through 2030 is something that we think might be relevant for lots of folks in the room, and we invite you to take a look. But thanks for having us, and uh, look forward to the rest of today. Awesome. Sounds like we have, may have time for a couple questions, if there are any. any companies or communities that have got it right that are doing you know unique things or different things that you could recommend or to you know say go look at these guys yeah I mean as as we think about the uh, companies and communities that are working on you know parts of this infrastructure you know one thing that I would call out is how do we get credit for what people have learned whether it's in school or on the job and there are a number of organizations, including IBM and Walmart uh, and groups, uh, including the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation, 
they're looking at how do you create learning and employment records that give credit for what you've learned regardless of where you've learned it and help those people that may be in some of those jobs that need to be shifted, how do you give them credentials that can then be recognized? So if you're a retail cashier and you know people are thinking about what the future of your retail cashiers might look like, you may have gained great customer service skills that would make you a perfect fit in a doctor's office. But today, that doctor's office may not know that you've acquired those skills. And so I think some of those organizations are coming together to really think through like, how do we document those skills and then how do we make it readable so that people making career transitions, you know, we can ease that. So I think that's some of the cutting edge uh, pieces uh, where you know, some of those companies are, are, um, are moving ahead. Maybe more, one more local example that I heard about recently. Um, you know, you think about what is the busiest time of the year for UPS, it's the holidays. And they've got to massively expand their workforce in a matter of weeks. Um, something that I've heard that they've taken on in the past couple of years is totally revamping the way that they do that, relying uh, much more on digital tools and processes alongside traditional HR. Uh, making it as easy as possible to get through a hiring process, um, still, of course, holding the bar, but an experience that's really tailored toward the job seeker um, and ultimately can massively expand their capacity to deliver um, packages in the time of the year when they do the overwhelming majority of their business. So on the one hand, it's you know the talent supply. Are we able to come together across the state, across communities to um, tackle what skills are needed and make sure that the workforce has those skills. Um, but you know, Brian's earlier slide on why are people leaving, why aren't they staying, there's also the, if you're trying to attract someone and you have legacy processes that make it really hard to come into your organization in the first place, that's going to be an ongoing challenge the harder and harder it is to hire. See a question back there? question is, um, do you see digital badging and credentialing becoming a bigger part of assessing or the, the, the skills of workers? I, I, I think there is a component to those, you know, digital badging or credentials, or, you know, even if it's, whether it's issued from a higher education institution as a sub-degree credential, or whether it's something that has been created and verified by employers on the job, I think those are key entry points to a, a learning and employment record. Uh, that could then be used across. I think some of the challenges there, how do we make sure that we've got the right assessments that really do tag to what you know, somebody's capabilities are in a way that across companies, across institutions, we can recognize, hey, that skill means something. In some of the IT areas, it's a little easier. In some of the other areas, a little harder. But I think we are seeing that move to digital skills, digital credentials, uh, in particular, as something um, uh, that is occurring. So the question is, how do we stalk the 3.2 million Georgians who we need to get back into the workforce, motivate, motivate into the workforce? Um, so in, in our 20, 
late 2022 published research on Georgia's economy. We did um, a deep dive on workforce. And when we're looking at those numbers, some of the solutions for the 3.2, um, who could also include early retirees, uh, people who are un or underskilled and may have had an opportunity and it is too hard, seemingly at this point too hard to go back. So some of the, um, you know, you think about an, your unemployed population and people who are looking for opportunities. To Chris's point, if there are three opportunities out there for everyone who's looking at one, that group ha may have resources available today and a system to go after them. Uh, but for the 3.2, if that's an early retiree, maybe it is more part-time flexibility. Uh, maybe it is the opportunity to plug in for a very niche part of a job where their skills could be put to use, but the system is thinking about it still as a full-time job. Um, then, of course, you know, lots of, of solutions there around broader reskilling um, and taking people who uh, are have been left out of the economy and have never really entered it in the first place and making sure that the infrastructure is there for them to thrive. Okay, thank, thank you all. You.